So on Sunday, or actually, well, on Monday uh, and Tuesday, uh, Vicar and I are going to spend two long days uh, carrying out orientation. Uh, when I went to seminary, what, six weeks ago or whatever, for training, they gave me a stack of all these things. That this is what you need to orientate him on um, for at least to have this huge major first meeting so he's got the whole thing laid out for him. Uh, but I, th- that whole stack of information probably could be summarized by one phrase that the president of the seminary shared with us, President Trepto, Earl Trepto is his name, and he said, assume he knows nothing. He says, tell him what to wear, tell him what to eat, tell him when to arrive, assume he knows nothing. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to assume he knows nothing, and that's what you're supposed to do uh, for the next year. Assume he knows nothing. Even though he's got six years of education post-secondary under his belt, he knows nothing. It's not just him who knows nothing, right? Uh, We probably have to admit that even though we think we know a lot about life, uh, we get proven wrong all the time uh, that we don't know as much as we think we know. And maybe you can think of an example in your own life where maybe you were, you know, you were so convinced. Yeah, this is the way it is. Uh, and then later on, uh, maybe a month or a year or years later, you realized everything you thought was completely wrong. You knew nothing. I, I remember laying on the on the grass in our backyard as a kid, just looking up at the clouds, and I was convinced clouds didn't move. And so as I watched these clouds move across the sky, I thought them moving was just how fast I was moving as the earth was rotating. All right, and then you learn later, oh, what? Oh, the clouds actually do move? Um, yeah, and, and you probably, if we, if we took down stories of what, what maybe you thought as a kid about some various topics, and then you learn later, what? Um, it could be a, a funny little book that we could produce here. You know, and that maybe that's why I just saw a science magazine the other day. The, the, cover, the cover story was, Is Humanity Getting More Stupid? Um, probably, right? Probably. Uh, but if it's not so much our observations of other people or our own experience that convinces us that we know nothing, uh, the Bible has a good way of reminding us of that, too. I think of the way the psalmist paints the picture in Psalm 2. He paints this picture of God just sitting on his throne in heaven while all the nations on earth are, are conspiring below. And what does he do? He, ah, God in, on his throne in heaven, he just laughs. Right? I think of Proverbs. Uh, there's a verse in Proverbs that talks about how people have this idea of, of the, they think they know the way, but in the end... Instead of leading it to life, it, it only ends up in death. And so, so yeah, uh, Scripture has a good way of, of reminding us that we know nothing, too. And, and so now it, it kind of begs the question, you know, why talk about that? I, I specifically invited three, three p- families uh, to our, our worship this weekend, people that I've met over the months here. And and so am I going to, did I invite them knowing that I could just say, guess what, you're stupid, <laughs> you know? Um, or, or next week my boys leave. So am I, am I taking advantage of this final opportunity before they head back to the Midwest to, to remind them you don't know as much as you think you know, huh? Or are we just taking this opportunity to have vicars sitting front and center that we can all pile on them and say, you what, guess what, you know nothing. Well, uh, Here's the thing. 
Uh, to be simple, to be naive, to be gullible when it comes to spiritual matters actually isn't all that bad. It's okay to be simple. And I know that kind of flies in the face of what we talked about last week. Last week we looked again at, at Hebrews where we were encouraged to, to move beyond the elementary teachings, uh, to not just be content singing, Jesus loves me, this I know, but to be able to add a whole orchestra around it to, so that we want to know how much Jesus loves me, uh, this I know. Um, and and there's, there, that's, there's truth to that, right? Uh, the, the little quote of the, the sermon last week was, uh, you know, God doesn't want us just to sip on, on spiritual milk when he's got a whole buffet of blessings in, in front of us. And that stands true. God wants us to appreciate all the, the, the various aspects of what he has done for us and all the various aspects of his, his word for us. So, so that hasn't necessarily changed. But what I'm talking about uh, today is that instead of, okay, God wants us to move beyond the elementary teachings, what I'm talking about is what about before we even get to the elementary teachings? What about before we even sip one ounce of spiritual milk of that simple message that Jesus is our Savior. Uh, there are many barriers that even want to prevent us from that simple message. And one of the biggest barriers, believe it or not, is our reason. Statistically, I can actually kind of prove that. They do a, a study every year of IQ tests of atheists and Christians. Atheists always win. Atheists have like a two, two points higher on average of IQ than Christians do. Interesting. Um, but, you know, it, it is true that we, we really, in our culture, um, we elevate thinking. We elevate the, you know, we, we frame diplomas. I have my diploma framed, you know, just so that people can say, oh, look, I know something. I, I hung it over the vicar's desk just for a little while. Uh, I took it down. I almost kept it there just to keep it over his desk. Um, you know, but, you know, we, we love we love degrees and diplomas. We love adding those little letters after our name when we sign something. I, ever since I was prepping for this, I just watched the emails, and I had a, one email from an MD and one letter from a PhD and one letter from a JD, which I don't even know what that means, and another letter from an MHA. Um, and, and so there were a whole, you know, we, we love to, to, to kind of say, this is what I know. Uh, we, 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 we bow down to science. Even when science changes, we honor reason. And in some ways, that's not a bad thing. We should at least be grateful or thankful for reason. Well, I mean, what do we confess? We confess, yeah, I believe that God made me. And that part of what he made me was he gave me a mind. He gave me abilities. He gave me the ability to think. He gave me the gift of reason. But I wonder sometimes if we are guilty of making, at least in a small way, a God of the gift instead of the giver. Are we guilty of making the gift of reason our God? You know, I, I think of, of how Vicar would, 
you know, apply that this week. And I think, you know, you know, Vicar's going to, he, he studied a lot of this book. You guys have studied a lot of this book. I've studied a lot of this book over the years. And yet, there are parts of this book that don't quite fit with our reason. And that becomes frustrating. Uh, we, we maybe even say this book is unreasonable. It's unreasonable to the 21st century mind. You know, this whole thing about, uh, you know, the teaching of the Trinity or the fact that Jesus emphatically says, this is my body, when he hands his disciples a piece of bread in an upper room one day. Or it's maybe not reasonable to the 21st century mind what the biblical stance is on sexuality or marriage or divorce or, or God's role of men and women or, or um, you know, the, the, the divine warning to stay away from those who, who cause divisions in the church. There are many things that are, that are unreasonable, but now what's the, what's, the, what's the goal? Is the goal to make this book fit my reason? Or should we be praying, Lord, make my reason fit this book? Now, I, you've heard this story before. Vicar hasn't heard this story, so I'll share it on Sunday, but my grandpa's pastor had it right. Well, my, my grandpa was a going through confirmation class and grandpa said to, or the, the pastor said to my grandpa, Riney, Reinald was his name, Riney, you're too stupid to understand this, just believe. <laughs> you could, I probably couldn't get away with that today. You'd have a parent calling you. But, uh, uh, but yeah, you're too stupid to understand this, just believe. That's not a call to blind faith. That's a call to created faith. Just trust the word. For what it says. Trust the, the wisdom of God that invites, let all who are simple come. That, that's the, the, one of the verses that we're going to be looking at in just a little bit here. As we consider the wisdom of God, let all who are simple come. Those are words that I'm going to ask, encourage Vicar to feast on. Not just for his year here that he's, that he's here in, in Reno, but his, his whole ministry. And, it's a, and that's a, an encouragement for us to feast on. Uh, these words from Proverbs uh, chapter 9. I'm not going to read Proverbs chapter 9. It's in your, I maybe encourage you to kind of have it open. I have them printed for you on page, page 6. I'll, I'll summarize these words for you, but you can kind of um, uh, look at the words and understand where I'm going with this. Uh, Proverbs chapter 9 uh, personifies wisdom as a woman. And now before, ladies, you jab your husbands in the, in the ribs to make sure they hear what I just said, I'll understand later on in Proverbs 9, folly is also personified as a woman. Uh, so, uh, but, uh, so here you have this, this lady wisdom, and, and she is, is making this, this fantastic meal. Uh, but she is going all out for this fantastic meal, much more than you guys will go out for the, you know, if you ever have Vicar over someday for a meal, which I'd encourage, great. But, but this, her whole life is consumed about this. She builds a new house, not just a house, she builds like a banquet hall uh, to, 
uh, to serve this meal out of. It, you know, it says there in Proverbs 9, wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. So it's this huge, huge, huge place. And then she slaughters her animals and she prepares her meat and she mixes her wine and she sets the table. And then she sends out her servants to the highest points of the city, which is like an ancient billboard. And she, she, she has them call everybody in for this this special meal that she has been so wrapped up in, this exquisite meal. She sends out the invitation, but that's, that's where the surprise come in. For such an exquisite, extravagant meal, you would expect that the invitation list would include dignitaries, kings and queens, rich and famous, you know, educated and extravagant people. I kind of think of like Tokyo. You know, Tokyo had 10 years to prepare their city and their country for what? For middle-aged, beer-bellied men to come and play a pickup basketball game? No! They, they went all out for the finest athletes of the world. That's who they were preparing for. Well, this woman does all these preparations Spares no expense, spares no effort. But for whom? Not for the rich and famous, the extravagant, or the educated. Again, it says, verse 4, Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, Come, eat my food. And drink the way the wine I have mixed. And so if Vicar was here, I'd say, Vicar, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean for your ministry? What would that mean for his ministry? What would that mean for his life? What does that mean for our life? It means exactly what it says. It means that we don't have to, that, that it's not up to us and to our pedigree. And to our degrees, to be part of, included in this invitation of that we get from God's wisdom. And I think of how comforting that must be, to be reminded of that, that it's not up to me. You know, I, I think of Vicar. He's going to have experiences this year where he's going to feel like, oh, I don't know anything, right? He's going to be trying to to learn to write sermons and, and write Bible classes. And, you know, we're sharing an office. And, and when I hear him pound his head on the wall, maybe the seventh time while he's writing a sermon, then I'll say, Vicar, listen to Lady Wisdom. What does she say? Let the simple come. You know, it's not up to you. You know, that, that you're, you're st you still have this wonderful invitation from God. Or, or when, when he's feeling the pressure to make sure that, that you guys are, are, are able to, to you know, cross every T and dot every I, or, or me as well as I sit at his feet. And, and he's going to feel that he wants to be able to go back to seminary next year and brag about this, this group of Christians that he groomed uh, you know, and, and grew spiritually. And, and next October, he's maybe going to find out, guess what? We maybe can't cross every T or dot every I when it comes to our spiritual knowledge. And yet, what can we remind him of? Guess what, Vicar? 
guess what? They can, they're still invited to Lady Wisdom's banquet. Let the simple, let the simple come. That, that, that's a, a tremendous comfort that you and I have. That, that this, this invitation is not dependent on us. Not at all. There's more comfort, though, that the writer to the Proverbs gives here. Solomon is the writer to the Proverbs. That not only are we reminded that life doesn't depend on us, but, you know, as far as the invitation from, from wisdom, we're also reminded that, or shown here, what a beautiful thing we have waiting for us. Now, again, you let the simple come to receive what? A banquet banquet of the choicest meats and the finest of wines. You know, there's something about food, right? Um, there's a reason why, why we're having a picnic on Sunday. There's a reason why we have a sign-up for Sunday snacks. Food makes everything better. We gather around food. And yet throughout scriptures, we are reminded again and again and again that, that we feast on something far more than earthly food. Man does not live on bread alone, but on the, the bread of our living Savior. That we have a choice banquet, a heavenly banquet that's waiting for us. And when you think about that's what's waiting for us, a, a feast in the banquet of heaven's halls, that is really what makes life doable. That is what gives hope. That is what gives joy. And that, too, is going to be comforting for Vicar, but that's comforting for every one of us. When we realize that we have so much to look forward to, okay, well, now if I have a bad day or if I have a, an anxious night, if, if I am just, you know, confused about life, but know that there's something better yet to come. <laughs> that's what's able to get us going forward. To know that if you're sad, guess what? You're invited. You have a, you have a feast waiting for you. If you're, if, you're, if you're depressed, you have a feast waiting for you. If you're confused, you have a feast waiting for you. You have life. Look at what it says here. It says, come and drink the wine you make. Leave your simple ways and you will live. You have eternal life. Don't let that, that promise pass by you quickly. Let it marinate. No matter what, what situations in life are, are causing you, you know, angst um, or, or any situations that are, are causing you to be, I don't know what's going on, you have life, eternal life. And there's one more point here. I mean, that should be enough to comfort our our hearts and our thoughts any time of the day, but our God is never, he never skimps. He always gives us more than what we need. And he gives us one more promise here too. As he says, okay, not only is it nothing's up to you, not only do you have this wonderful banquet in heaven waiting for you, but he also says in that last verse, leave your simple ways and walk in the way of insight. Uh, insight, this word here is, is more about your earthly life now. You know, and, and I think one of the frustrating things that we, we experience is that 
God doesn't tell us all the answers to every question. He doesn't tell us what city to live in. He doesn't tell us what car to buy. He doesn't tell us what job to take. He doesn't even tell us who to marry. And there, there's so many of these things that we're like, come on, God, just give me a sign. Give me direction. And he doesn't. He doesn't. But that doesn't mean that he doesn't provide for those situations. For those things where he doesn't directly address us with answers, we can still walk in insight, which is another way of saying is that, okay, it, God's insight is that, okay, now I'm going to look at those free will things he places before me, not with my motivation, not with my thoughts, but guided by his thoughts. He'll give me insight, godly insight, godly wisdom uh, to approach such questions. So there's really only one more thing to maybe talk about. That I mean, what a beautiful proverb here. So nothing's up to you. You know, let the simple come. Uh, you have a beautiful thing waiting for you, a, a feast, and you're able to walk in ins with insight here on earth. But maybe the question still becomes, well, what exactly is this wisdom? If you had a Bible in front of you, you could, you, know, you could look ahead to a few verses and you would hear a verse that gets repeated over and over and over again in Proverbs that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, just trusting the Lord and what he says, that's, that's the, that puts you on the path uh, to wisdom. Uh, but what is wisdom, if you actually looked at the previous chapter, Proverbs 8, or if you looked at Proverbs in the context of all of scriptures, which is actually the best way to study Proverbs. Proverbs is never a, a book that you just want to dip into and pull one verse out of context and, and take it. You know, it, it really needs to be seen in light of all the scriptures. But between Proverbs 8 and the whole scriptures, it'd be pretty clear that wisdom, godly wisdom, is not so much a what as it is a who. Ultimately, wisdom is Jesus. The Proverbs, the Proverbs, which is like a guidebook for Christian living, is clothed in the person from Nazareth who lived perfectly in our place. Uh, you look at the rest of Scripture, and, and you know there's a, a passage in Corinthians, for example, that says Christ is what? The power of God and the wisdom of God. That's it. <laughs> you know, so, so yeah, Vicar, Vicar may not know anything. And we're going to assume he knows nothing. But he knows Jesus. You know Jesus. And in the end, that's really all that matters. It's that simple. So my encouragement to you is be simple. Be simple and listen. Listen for wisdom's invitation that goes out to you every day. Let all who are simple come. Amen.